Welcome to The Spartan Life, where we explore what it means to be part of the Southern Lehigh family and attempt to cover all of the sweet, sweet goodness that is Southern Lehigh High School in 30 minutes or less. From first-hand coverage of exciting experiences to intimate discussions with some of your favorite teachers to inspirational interviews with diverse students on unique journeys. That's right, great students accomplishing great feats. We'll do our best to hit all of the highlights. But inevitably, we will fail. Because there's so much to celebrate, we're afraid your brains would simply melt if we tried to cover it all. We are your hosts. I'm Mr. Howe. And I'm Mr. Castagna. Join us as we venture into the heart of Southern Lehigh High School, one interaction at a time on The The Spartan Spartan Life. Welcome back, Mr. Howe. Yeah, Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you, too. How did you spend your break? It was the most relaxing I've been in a long time, I, I legit tried not to think about this place for 12 days. Did that work? It did. Yeah. Until you texted me on New Year's Day and said, is tomorrow an even day or an odd day? Just want to be prepared. Buzzkill. Yeah. And uh, I got very distracted over the holiday, so I didn't get as relaxed as you and I wasn't as prepared to come back because I had to join a support group uh, for Star Wars fans who did not like The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, come on, man. Come to the light side? You know, it was a good movie. The more I talk to people who enjoyed it, they acknowledge all kinds of flaws and faults with the movie, but insist that they liked it anyway. Yeah. That's not how it works. If there's stuff wrong with it, I don't like it. All right. But you see, this is what I've had to deal with. So I had to join a support group. Support group. Yeah. My support group includes uh, Michael Woods, who was not terribly satisfied with the film. Uh, Mrs. Tossie, who was also disappointed. Wow, really? Yeah, a lot of people disappointed. Is there a Wookiee and an Ewok in there, or just Jar Jar Binks is in your group? A Jar Jar Binks, uh, is, his life has been nothing but disappointment. We can agree on that. All right. Good place to end our Star Wars conversation, which is something we should do because we did give you an entire episode talking about the top five Star Wars moments. And if Star Wars is not your thing, you probably tapped out of that episode and you're probably tapping out of this one. Well, we're going to bring you back. That's right. On this episode, we're going to sit down with a pair of dedicated students from the yearbook staff. Yeah, that's right. Emily Mackin and Hannah Ostrowski. If you've ever heard the students using the term yerd, well, these girls are going to tell us all about what it means to be one and what it's like putting in the hours it takes to prepare a high-quality yearbook. And then from a high-quality yearbook to a high-quality language teacher, we're going to sit down with Senora Ims. I know you students have been waiting to hear an interview with her as she talks about her views on teaching and her personal life. One thing I'm really excited to share with our listening audience is a package story that was put together by a pair of students in my public speaking class. It's really hard for us to run around the building getting content for every episode every two weeks. So I figured public speaking, that encompasses all kinds of communication, both 20th century and 21st century. So podcasting definitely falls under that heading. I put the assignment out, and uh, I gave the kids all kinds of options. You could interview a student, you could interview a staff member, you could do a news segment or a package story. And what I have for you here is from Liz Swope and Maria Corradini. And the concept they came up with was to talk to people about concert experiences. might be fun to do this this time of year because we can't wait for the weather to break. Yes. And for concert season to be in effect Once again, you think of those concert festivals where you tent camp for a couple of days and there's multiple artists uh, and you just kind of get excited looking forward to that. So they talked to a bunch of people and talked about their concert going experiences. What were the best ones? What were the most expensive ones? And basically, what do people get out of that experience? Mr. Alp, what is one of the best concerts you've been to? 
it would be very cliche of me to say that the Eric Church concert was one of the best concerts that I went to. But that most recently, that's probably is one of the better concerts that I have seen in a long time. That was strong. I haven't you kept know. a running tally, but that's got to be like four episodes yeah. in which we've mentioned the Eric Church yeah, show seriously. that we seriously. went to see. So we got that going for us, which yeah. is good. I also was a huge fan of the yeah. Eric Church show. Uh, but I would say the best concert experience I've had would have to be Springsteen. Okay. After that, it gets kind of hard to pick because I've seen him 23 times. 23. Dude, I haven't even seen 23 concerts total. 23 times. Uh, Much like Eric Church, when you go to see Springsteen, he's got a catalog of 250, 300 songs, and he will play anything. He's just like, what do you want to play tonight? That's it. No, no, he's probably, what do you want to play tonight? (laughs) That's that's more of a kind of like a country sort of sound, even though he's from New Jersey. It's kind of weird. So enjoy this talk about concerts. Hello, everyone. I'm Maria Corradini. And I'm Liz Swope. And today, we will be discussing live music and delving into the passion many students at Southern Lehigh High School share. Whether someone is a music student or not, when walking through the halls, in between classes, or sitting in a study hall, you can see almost everyone has headphones in and is jamming out to their favorite songs and artists. Students here love to share their musical interests. We've all seen new songs shared on Instagram stories and video after video of amazing concerts posted on Snapchat. With this in mind, Liz and I decided to ask our peers to share their best live music experiences with us. Let's meet our interviewees, and to get their brains working, we will ask an icebreaker. What's your favorite food? My name is Emily Jordan. I'm a senior, and my favorite food is pizza. I'm Kyle Nord. I'm a senior, and my favorite food is sushi. I'm Allie Brown. I'm a senior, and my favorite food is chicken parmesan. Sarah Williams, 12th grade, and green beans. Hi, my name is Trisha. I'm in 12th grade, and my favorite food is Chinese food. Hi, my name is Gavin DeMars. I'm a senior, and my favorite food is chicken fried rice. Now that we know everyone, we would like to know what was the best concert you've ever been to? Tyler, the creator. Rule. Ariana Grande. Ed Sheeran. Tyler, the creator. Mac DeMarco. We purposely chose individuals who we knew had a deep love for music and had seen many live performances. Each concert experience is different, so what makes a great concert in their opinion? I think that what makes a concert great is a combination of uh, the artist's enthusiasm as well as the enthusiasm of the crowd. I think the crowd is a huge part of what makes a good concert. Seeing it with my friends. I would say what makes a concert great is the intricacy of the choreography and the surround sound. The artist. In my opinion, what makes a concert great is the stage presence of the artist because then that influences the energy of the crowd and it just overall makes the whole atmosphere so much better if the artist has good stage presence and interacts with the crowd and also how close you are because it just makes it nicer if you're closer. What makes a concert great is when the audience is always entertained, when you go with a group of friends you always love and everyone just cares about the music. Living in the Lehigh Valley, we have the luxury of being close to New Jersey, New York, and the big cities in Pennsylvania, which makes the possibility of our favorite artists performing at a venue near us is very likely. We want to know how far did you travel to get to your favorite concert? We traveled about an hour and a half. I traveled uh, an hour. It was in Philly, so about an hour. I traveled seven hours. It was about one hour, and on the way back is about an hour and a half because of traffic. 
an hour and a half. Tickets to these live events are sometimes a steal, but they also can break the bank. How much did you pay for this concert of a lifetime? $180. I think around $35, maybe $40. My ticket cost $400. I paid $125. They were $50 each. With all the travel time and dollars spent in mind, was seeing this concert worth it? Yes, I think the time and money were both worth it because it was an amazing concert and he's one of my favorite artists, so getting to see him perform his songs live was a great experience. Yes, because it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Yes, it was 100% worth it. The performance that she put on was just amazing. Yes, because you can't buy memories, it's just something you have to experience. Yeah, it was because he's one of my friends and I's favorite artists, and um, we just love going to concerts together, so it was a good time for all of us. This concert was worth it because it was my first concert and the price was a steal. And just for fun, what is the next concert you want to go to? Ski Mask the Sun God. Tame Impala, because I hear his concerts are insane. Right now, there's a band called Kulik that I really like, um, and... If they go on tour or have a show near here, I'll do my best to get tickets because I think it'd be really fun to see them in concert. The next concert I would want to go to would probably be Khalid. The Driver Era. Aesop Ferg. Obviously, the students at Southern Lehigh love and appreciate the music and the experience of seeing these artists perform live. Our student body has a vast variety in music taste and they love to share it with others. Going to concerts and music festivals is an activity that Southern Lehigh kids will continue doing for the years to come. Yeah, that made me want to go see a concert. I mean, for a student-produced segment, I thought that was pretty good. Hey, and kudos for you to getting your students in public speaking to do our job for us. That's, that's good thinking, man. Hey, this isn't my podcast. It's not your podcast. It's the Southern Lehigh High School podcast. So we're open to all kinds of voices. You don't have to be in my public speaking class. If you've got an idea for a package story, or if you've got a friend you want to interview because they're up to something really cool and unique, or if you want to sit down with a teacher and interview a teacher and pick their brain about education and life, hey, stop by 123, let us know. So thank you, Liz and Maria, for putting together that package story for us. That was very well done, ladies. Thank you. And now on to another pair of accomplished ladies. We sat down with the Yerds. Hannah Ostrowski and Emily Mackin. They're going to give us the inside scoop on what it's like to put together the yearbook day by day, week by week, month by month. It sounds like quite the ordeal, and these girls are definitely up for the task. We wanted to try to get you a Spartan Life exclusive at an inside look into something that's going to be in the yearbook this year. Listen up. We're sitting down with Emily Mackin and Hannah Ostrowski. Say hello, Emily. Hi. And say hello, Hannah. Hi. All right. And we are talking with the two of you because you are world-renowned yurds. <laughs> yurds. <laughs> yep. Or at least school-wide renowned yurds. Why don't we start off by exploring that term? What exactly is a yurd? Um, so a yurd is basically a yearbook nerd. <laughs> it's just the term yurd um, and previous years of yearbook students adopted it so we just have adapted it a lot more and so you just it. stuck with it yeah what does it mean to be a yearbook nerd uh, it means a lot of time sacrifice I think it's pretty much anyone on staff and then anyone who like helps us out with photos it can be considered a yurd 
but it definitely means you're sacrificing part of your free time. So is that yeah. like eat, sleep, drink, yearbook? For us, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah that's yeah. it. That's about it. Let's get into that. What are your specific titles on the yearbook staff, and what are some of your responsibilities? Um, well, I'm editor-in-chief of the yearbook, so basically kind of everything of doing editing photos to reviewing photos and um, the text on the page, which we refer to as you know the copy of the page, I'll go through that, and we have deadlines, so basically just the final check of everything on deadlines is comes down to my decision. How frequent are the deadlines? Few There's weeks. six or seven every yeah. year, so it's like... What, like three to four weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty much always in one. So, so a yeah. deadline, What does does that mean like you have to have some copy done or a layout done or a certain set of pages proofed? Is yeah. that basically what you mean by a deadline and having one? So we kind of split up the deadlines. It differs every year, but usually it's like oh, all the freshmen, like student pages are like all the athletic for fall, all the athletic for winter. We just section them off and then have all the pages due on one deadline. So it's like anywhere between... 10 to 15 pages a deadline. Yeah. yeah, and people like in class, the students that aren't on the editorial staff, they will get a page and they'll work with someone usually. So like if they have like, you know, boys basketball, they'll work together on the page and they'll go and interview people and get the pictures and everything. Now, Emily, you said you're editor-in-chief. Did I get that right? Yes. Editor-in-chief? Yeah. And Hannah, what's your title? I'm the assistant editor-in-chief. So basically just the second in line for everything that Emily does, I just double check and then my job's to support her and like make the decisions for the design aesthetic. And then I'm also in charge of, there's a big index in the back of the book and I track all the coverage of who's on what page. So I have a master document of everyone in the school that I like keep all my tallies on. All right. Yeah. That, that right now, you're <laughs> Your number to her. Your page number. <laughs> yes, right there, this, this yeah, I'm associated with a page number. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, why don't the two of you think back to ninth grade, coming into the high school? Had you ever done anything like this before? I was on the like mini yearbook staff in middle school, but we really didn't do that much. But I don't know about you. I was on newspaper in middle school. Okay, yeah, in so eighth grade. You come here in ninth grade. What makes you decide to get involved with the yearbook staff? I feel like just being younger, I was always like, oh, being on yearbook would be fun. So then I knew that intro to journalism with Mrs. Tossie used to be the prereq for it, but then it's not anymore. You can just join yearbook right away. But that's why I took the class. I just thought it'd be fun to do a club. What about you, Emily? Yeah, I took intro to journalism too because it seemed like an interesting class and there was a lot of history of journalism and stuff. Um, and also, I I just always enjoyed looking through I have a lot of my grandparents' old yearbooks, so I was like, you know, it's a really interesting thing to see, just like the different designs and everything, and I thought it'd be interesting to get into. So you had a specific interest in yearbook yes, yeah. prior to coming to the high school. Uh, I've seen you a lot over the years uh, walking around with a camera, <laughs> even before I knew who you were. Yeah. So is photography an interest of yours as well, or has that been born of your involvement in yearbook? Um, a little more of my involvement in yearbook, because in middle school when I did newspaper, it was just really necessarily writing. Um, but I think it grew as I began to appreciate more of like going out to different sports and things and getting to see what my classmates were doing, so kind of extended from that. Mrs. Tossi was instrumental in having me sit down for an interview with the two of you. Um, I'll often send an email out and ask staff members if they know of any students who would make for a good interview on The Spartan Life. And without even sending an email like that out, (laughs) Tossi approached me and said, hey, listen, I got two kids you have to talk to. Here were some of the quotes, some of the reasons that she gave me. Can you read these as Miss Tossi? (laughs) I don't know if I do a Tossi impression. I can try. Can we try? You read each piece of writing throughout the book. (laughs) Edit it, review each photo, edit it. Literally, there isn't one part of the book you aren't going to comment on. That's a good comment. Can you make it a little more feminine? Your voice a little more feminine? I don't know if my voice goes feminine. Let's try it. Okay. 
you are most likely found in the pub lab. When you aren't in the pub lab, you're answering crazy demands from me through GroupMe. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's that good. Okay. I like it. <laughs> and then I'll read this one straight up because uh, I think it resonates. No one cares more about making sure when people open up that book that it is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, first off, how does that make you feel that your advisor, who's been your advisor for four years, uh, feels that way about your contributions? It's definitely a very sweet feeling. I mean, I think we have a very open relationship with Mrs. Tossie of, like, understanding, and there's a lot of, like, respect there. But it's nice to hear her secret opinions about us. Yeah, it's, I think it's very rewarding, because I think when we're in the process, we don't really necessarily like you know we don't share that sentiment a lot because we're so into the process but I think when it comes down to it and things like when we distribute the books at the end of the year it really hits what we've done and what we've created so yeah it really means a lot to hear that so what Tassie describes is an inspiration and a drive right this inherent motivation you have where does that come from why put all this time in? I mean, I, Mr. Halp and I run this podcast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's hard to find the time. It's hard to stay excited about it. It's hard to keep up with uh, deadlines and stories and chase them down. What drives you? Why do you do it? Um, well, one of the well, the first of all, just from a practical standpoint, people do pay a lot of money for the book, so it's really important for both of us that they're when they get it at the end of the year, they're happy with what they spent. But just from a personal like inspiration, I think like in 50 years, people aren't going to be able to remember like the specific moments of high school. But it's really important to me that they're able to open their yearbook and be like, you know what, that's it. Like they captured what it was really like, and I just think that's one of my driving forces to work really hard and make sure we capture the best stories possible. Yeah, I would agree. And I think um, what Hannah said about people, you know, looking back at their yearbooks and everything and keeping their yearbooks, um, you know, it's really important that we encapsulate their experience as accurately as possible because people are going to want to see specific things represented and um, see their experience as it was. Um, And I know it's just like, you know, when you leave high school, arguably the two things you leave with are your diploma and a yearbook if you choose to buy one. So we (laughs) want to make it, you know, representative of everyone and a good memory to look back at. Wow. Nice persuasive (laughs) strategy there. Thank you. That sounded like an ad technique. I was going to say, that was a little plug to go buy a yearbook. So uh, after high school, will either of you plan on doing anything like the editing uh, when you go off to college? Um, I don't know. I think personally I'd like to, but I'd have to see what opportunities there will be at the college I commit to. Um, But I'd like to see what's available and like there. Yeah, it's definitely an area of interest for me, but I don't really, I think Tossie has created a very unique environment and I don't know if going into a different field if I'll feel the same passion as I did from like this experience, but I am I do have an interest in like graphic design and things like that. Graphic design. What can we look forward to in the yearbook this year? What's new? What's different? Uh, what are you most excited to put before us that you think the student body will see and say, "Wow, <laughs> that encapsulates my experience." <laughs> what can we expose? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, you don't want to drop spoilers. You want some well, of it to be surprised. Some things are secret. Yeah. Okay. How about this? How about a Spartan Life exclusive? <laughs> we do love exclusives. We do like exclusives here. Um, I think specifically, like right now, I'm sorting through all the senior quotes. Um, and last year, we did it for kind of the first time in a while. So I think it'll be a great thing for the seniors to see um, because it'll be by their portraits. Um, and it'll just be great to see what their classmates' sentiments are about high school. Um, so I think that's definitely an exciting piece. Yeah, that is a really big thing. You'd be surprised how difficult and time consuming it is getting all these senior quotes. Emily's oh, been doing yeah. <laughs> crazy amounts of work. We have to read each one, review it, make sure it gets approved, research it, make sure there's no secret meaning. 
meaning because Tazi has this huge fear of being in the news. And <laughs> yeah. A legitimate fear. I yes. Think. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, but yeah. working with seniors, I understand, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, yeah. it's a tremendous amount of work just trying to get them to turn things in. Oh, yeah. And then once they do, you got to scan it, make sure it's appropriate, <laughs> and they'll give you something that looks vaguely appropriate, but then, you, like you said, you do the yeah. research and you find out there's something more to it. So, uh, wow, that's a lot of work. Yeah. But uh, some good quotes? Yeah, there's been great quotes, and I, I think it'll just be a great, I hopefully, a great <laughs> senior yearbook for like the seniors in our class and everything. So just the personality of it. Have you two decided your quotes for the yearbook? <laughs> no. Not yet. Okay, still thinking so, about so you'll need to track each other down at the yeah. 11th hour. Yeah, is actually. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, I'm also just excited to, last year, the theme of the book just allowed for it to be very personal because we had like direct doodles from everybody and that just was able to fit like the notebook theme that we did. But this year, we're not going in that direction. So the big challenge was how do we make it just as personal as last year without having like hand-drawn things from students. So I'm excited to see how if the, what the reception of that is and if we were able to accomplish our goal of making it like just as personal as the book before. But you can't tell yeah. us how you're going about that. Um, I don't know if we even really know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just, I think we're still trying to get a lot of, you know, the staff members to go out and get interviews that are engaging and, um, you know, keep asking follow-up questions and talk about specific experiences, like with sports, like what was a specific moment that stuck out during a game or something, and just keep getting those engaging points because it doesn't seem like a big effect, but it does affect the overall impact of the copy and the text that people read and makes it more personal. So do you have any final thoughts on the experience of running the yearbook staff? I will say, like, just, I know Tossie asked you to interview us, but we're, like, we are, we have leadership roles in the force, but it is, it takes 44 people to make this book happen, and Tossie's endless dedication to the book like it's not just us I guess we've become the face of it but it takes a lot of work from a lot of students and I'm really proud of what they've done so far but yeah no I think we have a great staff and I think um a great editorial staff like we have other there's we have a design editor and business editor and people that help us out there but really it's the staff that's going out to get the interviews and going to sort through the photos and then it's just us that are really editing and sorting through it so and we just yell at them to do it (laughs) yeah we give them a lot of constructive criticism they take it very well so so, ladies, I, I know something as a, we've experienced a variety of different leadership styles. It absolutely takes a high quality leader in order to get your staff to do anything for you. So, uh, the end product that you guys have put out over the last couple of, of years and, and this year, too, I'm sure will be excellent and outstanding due to your leadership. So, thank you for all that you've done thank to you. create thank and you. preserve the memories of this high school. And thank you for joining us on the Spartan Life. <laughs> Well, we tried and tried and tried, but they refused to give us any kind of specific preview about what the book is going to look like. I mean, just give us a little bit of, just like a little, just give us a little breadcrumb. I mean, come on, throw us a bone here. They did talk about senior quotes, and let me tell you, I am glad I don't have to do their job to sift through the quotes of 17 and 18-year-olds, so many of which are either overtly offensive or suggestively offensive, and you got to dig and figure out if it is some kind of reference to something inappropriate. Right, that's right. I don't want to do that either. I like numbers. But I'm sure the book will look nice when it comes out. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to what they bring. On to our interview with Senora Imms. Now, I talked to her before the break, so we talk a little bit about how we're kind of burned out between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we can't wait to get refreshed and what we're planning on doing for the holiday. So it's a little bit dated. Prepare yourself for that. But lots of interesting insight into her life and how she became a Spanish teacher and how she manages having four kids that are a wide variety of ages. 
and uh, her philosophy of education and how she does what she does and why she does what she does. Since I wasn't able to be at the interview, I'm looking forward to hearing this too. So I'm listening intently. All right. Enjoy. For any of our listeners who have not been students in your class, uh, and that's probably not many of them because you've had pretty much every student in this building. Feels that way sometimes. (laughs) Tell us who you are and what you teach. I am Senor Ames, and I teach Espanol, and I teach Spanish three and four this year, and also the Spanish immersion class for the freshmen, which is called Spanish Culture and Communication. Ooh, fancy. It's a very fancy title. Yeah. Um, And I've taught Spanish two, Spanish one. Spanish 5. The only thing I haven't taught yet is AP. Let's talk about that. Right? Yeah. When you're the Spanish teacher, we have other Spanish teachers as well, but oh, yeah. as far as foreign language goes, I think the bulk of our students take Spanish, right? Is that accurate? Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. So what is it like teaching so many different levels and seeing the same kids again and again, year after year, and watching them grow? Well, I think it's actually really interesting for Chinese and French that they actually see them all four years. So because they have it's a those smaller kids. program. Exactly. Okay. Whereas I might have a kid one or two or three years and then there's kids I will only have one time and never see again. Um, I actually like to see the growth that occurs say if I had them in Spanish 2 to see what they can do now in Spanish 4 and how much they change over that time. Do you find it's hard to be creative? Uh, Personally, I feel like I have a pretty good bag of tricks but there's a bottom to my bag of tricks and when I have a student in English and then I have that student again and say public speaking, they end up seeing some of the same tricks and it's not nearly as impressive. Oh, I definitely have repeated some of the same tricks and or some of the same jokes. But um, I try, I try to tell the stories just a smidge different. So if you're hearing it a second time, it still can be funny. Jokes, that's a really good point. I I mean, it's a little bit different now with the 77-minute classes and the structure of education. Everything is a bit more spontaneous. But there were years where I used to have scripted jokes. Oh, yeah. And uh, again, like, one out like here it comes yeah i only have so (laughs) many jokes so if you have more than one of my classes you're gonna hear that joke more than one i mean i love to make a wand joke you know because it's one in a million and you're the only one and you're the only one you're the chosen one you're the chosen one yeah there only only so many one puns you run out of them after a while how did you become a spanish teacher what drew you to teaching and what drew you to spanish i'll be honest i didn't start on this journey Uh, coming out of high school or even coming out of college thinking I was going to be a teacher, let alone a Spanish teacher. I was a history major, undergraduate, and I knew I was going to go to grad school and had anticipated going to grad school to study law, actually. I wanted to be a lawyer. I love to argue. I think you might be aware of that. I think it's come up at lunch a couple times. You You have a strong personality. I know my words, and I like to have a little discussion here and there. So um, was initially kind of preparing myself to do that, and I started volunteering while I was doing a program in bilingual bicultural studies just to kind of work on my language skills, because I thought I would work with immigrant populations doing immigrant law. That was sort of what I, what I saw myself doing. That's fascinating. And I was in that program, started volunteering for an ESL program, and it became very concretely clear to me that I had to be a teacher, that it was not a choice, that this was my path in life, and I have not looked back ever since. You just felt like it was a good fit, and mm-hmm. you were called to it. It was like destiny. Yeah. Destiny was calling me. Uh, you... teach. And then the Spanish... Um, even though I was a history major, I always loved languages. So it was 
something I just love doing. I started off actually initially teaching Spanish and history and decided that I like doing the language stuff more. It was just fun. And the jobs are abundant. Yeah, so. I would imagine. Yeah. Right? It's much easier to find a job uh, <laughs> than it would have been to be a bicultural bilingual lawyer. Was that, was yeah. that what it was? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure in this day and age, I would have had lots of work. Uh, sure. Yeah, but, I wouldn't want to get too political. <laughs> yes, but, no, uh, yeah, there's a lot clean. going on in the world that uh, would have helped you get a job for sure. There's a need for it. Yeah. I think it's a recurring theme on The Spartan Life. We talked to a lot of teachers who did not know they were going to be teachers and then something happened that opened their eyes. I was actually eyes. morally opposed to it because both of my parents were teachers and I absolutely was like, I will not be a teacher. And then everything was like, yes, you will be a teacher. So, the voice of destiny again. I listened. Yeah, that apple never falls far from the tree. Even nah. when that apple like tries to swing away from the tree and yeah. go anywhere else, it just falls right next and to I'm the tree. And I'm experiencing that with my own children because being a mother of four, I have two children now that are studying education. How do you feel about that? Do you, do you advise them against it? Do you get excited when you hear that they want to be teachers? I have really long conversations with them about the reality and the complications, the good and the bad. And I think they've seen my good days and they've seen my bad days. So they do get a sense for it's not a walk in the park. Yeah, it's, it's a really hard job. And if you want to do it well, you put in a lot of time. I'm coming out of a block. Block four today was a really good block. Yeah. And I had to have a heart-to-heart with my students because they've been phoning it in. Yeah. And the block before this, they were goofing around. And I just opened up to them and I said, listen, guys, I want to keep doing the fun stuff. I don't want this to be a boring English class. I want to put the ball in your court. When I do, you have to respond accordingly. Yeah. And th- you better start dribbling. And th- you better start dribbling. And they did. Yeah. But at the end of 77 minutes, we were all so focused on that. We all worked so hard. And then uh, the block ended and I had to set up mics and do this interview when I was thinking, like, I, I just need to go take a nap. I know there are a lot of days, this year in particular, I really felt it, where I just need to tap out at the end of the day. Like, yeah. I am spent... Like an old $2 bill. <laughs> it's just nothing's left. <laughs> and you know that's good teaching. Yeah. But my goodness, what it takes to get there yeah. anymore. It's yeah. really, especially this time of year, because when you come out of the summer, you're well-rested. Exactly. You're tan. You're excited. You're pumped. Yeah, the students are excited exactly. to a certain extent. And then at some point during the year, you just realize, like, wow, they've been looking at me and hearing this voice for a super long time. Exactly. And I've been working with them for a super long time. The newness wears off. The newness wears off. Yeah. And then you're just in the middle of the routine exactly. and it's just work 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 and the work. trick is to not make it feel too routine that's it you, you, this is a job where if you do it right it doesn't always have to feel like work yeah you know but but you got to do it right yeah. it's hard to do it right it is it's tricky. How, how do you do it right what is your philosophy of education oh my philosophy of education well i have a lot of philosophy about teaching world language in particular um you know, I do believe we teach the whole child. I don't believe we teach a subject. Um, I think that's really important. I think sometimes we lose that, especially at high school level. I don't think that's a difficult element in elementary level. But with us, because we're hyper-focused on our content, sometimes I think we lose sight of the kid is what's what we're here for. The student is what we're here for, and not I, I, the content, right? Yes, I agree. And I think administration has done a lot to put the focus back yeah. on that with exactly. advisory and some of the other programs that they've, they've got together. Um, I do find it easier to be more subject oriented because I am trained to be an English sure. teacher yeah. and teaching the whole student. It's, 
it's hard. One of the things about teaching that makes it extra hard. Well, I think that's why we walk out of here tired a lot of days. Right, because we're not just teaching right. Spanish. We're not right. just teaching English. We're addressing individual students, right. their levels of difficulty and struggle with a subject, their levels of struggle with socializing in this place. And as one of my, my jokes that my kids have heard before, I'm like Roz from Monsters, Inc., always watching. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- that's part of the mental You're exhaustion. You're always taking You're it in. Always on. Yeah. Yeah, always on. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, any other thoughts on philosophy of education outside of just being a Spanish? Or do you want to talk about philosophy as a Spanish teacher? No, I mean, I'm big on the idea of Vygotsky where, you know, it's that proximal development. You got to dangle it a little higher than where the kid is to yeah. bring them up because otherwise they're just going to stay where they are. And sometimes that can create discomfort and unease in a classroom. It can. And, and for 77 minutes, you want yeah. to avoid discomfort. Yeah. And, sometimes uh, you have and to unease. go into it. And yeah, you got to go there. I have to say I'm good at waiting in the uncomfortable. That's great. Yeah. So, Being patient with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I find it harder, you know, yeah. as, as the years go on. Uh, the students are more sensitive. We, we talk a lot about how students are afraid to fail. Yeah, and that's very true. Yeah, when you're learning, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You but, have to actually make mistakes. To otherwise, learn. you don't grow. You right. don't learn. Yeah, the growth happens in the mistakes. My growth happened in the many thousands of errors I have made in my life. Speaking about <laughs> your growth. Including how I say things like error. <laughs> Speaking about your yeah. growth, let's talk about your family. I think okay. most people listening know a little bit about your family. Um, the way I have seen it from the outside and yeah. talked to you at lunch and heard some of your stories, you come from a big family. It's fairly unconventional in, in a couple of ways. You had your first yeah. child when you were very young. I did. And you had your fourth child, the, 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 your youngest child, when you were much older. Yep. And the exclamation point on the sentence of my life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that's Stephen, correct? That is Stephen. Stephen. I've heard a lot about yeah. Stephen. And your oldest is Mara? Mara is my oldest. Mara's in college, Mara correct? Mara is actually now in graduate school at Oh my Penn. goodness. Yeah. Wow. So she's doing stuff. So she's doing well. That's yeah, great. Yeah, she is doing well. So you have one in graduate school and Stephen is in what grade? Fifth grade. So you so have... So grad school to elementary and one in college, one in high school. The full spectrum. Yeah. There's been several times where we have hit four levels of education. So whether it was preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, or if it was elementary school, middle school, high school, college, we've we've hit... I was looking at colleges while simultaneously finding preschools <laughs> for Stephen to go to, which I can say not too many people have that experience. What's it like managing all of that? I, I notice you're in the building until yeah. late in the afternoon. I, I do try and leave as much work here as I can. So I, I work in the afternoons to get that organized and get, get things done here. So work stays at work. So and that I can home. go home and be a little bit more present. Now I still work at home, but it's not as much of a grind as it might have been yeah. years ago. So um, I try and limit it so that I'm spending time with the kids. But I also have to run to practices. I have to go to swim meets. I have to, you know, make dinner, that kind of stuff. So, so what is dinner? I struggle with dinner uh, lately. I only have one kid. But, like, you get home, you got to take the kid to basketball. Before you know it, you're out of daylight. Yeah. Not enough time to cook. I have to say life has graced me with a husband who's a fabulous cook and probably does 80% of the meals. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, he's a really great cook. And... Uh, on top of that, you know, we do typically make meals where we're having leftovers or, um, so not every night is going to be a new meal. Um, and we'll go out, 
maybe once every two weeks as like a crew. It's easier now that there's only four of us at home. When there were six of us at home, it was like a revolving door in the kitchen. Sure. So, yeah. you know, who was coming back from what practice before going to the next? And, and who's eating with the who's family and who's not? Yeah, who's just exactly. catching a sandwich? Who's having leftovers? Yeah. Who's grabbing a slice of pizza? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. The modern American family moves very, very quickly. And it's very different from how I grew up where dinner was at 530 every night. Mom always made dinner. We all sat around the table together. So that's um, what you come from. I do. If that was doable today, would you want to do it that way? I would, actually. I loved yeah. that. I loved... I mean, some days I didn't love it when my brother... We actually had such a big family. There were nine of us around our table that I often... You know, we would we had picnic benches instead of individual seats. And our table... <laughs> I'm just picturing the visual. Yeah, it's very so fun. there was four on one side, three on the other. And then my mom and dad were at the heads. And uh, my brother loved to bump me off the bench. <laughs> and so um, that was always kind of funny. There, But I have a lot of memories of us singing around the table mm-hmm. after a meal, laughing. Um, it was always like uh, you got what you got when you got it or else there's nothing left because the food went fast. Yeah. You were so, one of how many? Seven. Seven. And where yeah. are you in that lineup? I seven? am the baby. You're so the baby. I'm not only the baby of my siblings, I am the baby of all of my cousins. And that is... Something like 28 on one side of the family, 32 on the other. So I am the absolute youngest of my generation. And Steven is the youngest of his generation. So you could kind of relate a little bit. So it's an interesting parallel. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how many sisters do you have? Two sisters, the, and the oldest and the middle. Yeah, okay. the rest you, are boys. I've heard you talk a lot about your brothers. Oh my heavens! But not brothers. your sisters. One thing I remember about your brothers yeah. is that because they're all older than you, they listen to a certain type of music, and that spoiled that kind of music for you. Oh, for sure. So I remember Mr. Evans and I yeah. sitting at lunch with you, and you were talking about how you you don't like Fleetwood Mac. Oh no! And you it's don't like the Eagles. Torture to my ears. Evans and I had so much fun with that. Yeah. We went back and forth, like, so you don't like. Smooth melodies. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't like sweet harmonies. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that they ruined that era. I mean, it's of kind of funny because they also introduced me to other music that I still really love. You know, my one brother was a real big fan of traffic. So, you know, if Low Spark of High Heel Boys come on, I automatically think of him. And there are like good associations with some things and then negative associations with others. Let's shift back to school a little bit because you are a super busy lady. Uh, In addition to everything you do as a Spanish teacher and everything you do with your four children, you also, every other year, plan a school-wide Spanish trip. I got to dip out on that one. Actually, Jesse Swartz plans the trip. I oh. just happen to be able to be fortunate enough to travel on it every every other year. Well, that makes it a lot easier yeah. to understand because like, my mind was exploding with the yeah. logistics. And even just leaving your family oh, for that, you know, that 10 to 14 days, complicated. I would imagine. Uh, who helps out when uh, you're away on well, those trips? Well, it depends. Usually it's Jeff kind of managing it. Which That's your husband. Yeah, and he's pretty amazing. Um, like I said, he's a good cook. The only thing that regularly happens is that I come home to a lot of laundry. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm not a laundry that's, guy that's either. That's my thing. Yeah. So, um, but otherwise he does a good job handling, um, getting people where they need to go. And it helps now that Ellie's old enough to drive. You know, the three girls drive at this point. So Steven's the only one that really needs transport mm-hmm. and extra care. So tell us about that Spanish trip. Any yeah. uh, memories you want to share? Oh, too many. Uh, funny stories, uh, horror stories. Yeah. Give us one. I mean, generally the trips go really well. Um, It's always really fun to see Spain through the eyes of a new group of kids. Um, I always notice something, do something that I haven't done a trip before. I see a new city. I 
find a new restaurant, whatever it is. There's some experience that happens every trip that's different than what's happened before. Um, we've definitely had a few funny, funny moments. Uh, going back to when Mr. Cavell was here, he went on a trip one year with us and uh, we went into the store to look for a necklace for his wife, and I turned around and walked right into one of the displays of earrings, <laughs> upon which I got the nickname Gigantor, um, and it still follows me. Um, I've definitely had a lot of funny moments. Um, the trip in 2017, went to sit down on a chair on our patio, and... Uh, my chair broke. Mrs. Kelly thought it was very funny, and instead of helping me up, decided that a photo op was a better idea. So have, she hasn't lived that one down. We talked about this earlier. Yeah. Uh, my mother is like that, too. Yeah. You know, Before she helps out, she has to laugh about it. Oh, my heavens. Something about women of that generation. She really had such a good laugh about it. And then she was some of the funny memories from that trip, because we were at this really great Chocolateria, which is a churros and chocolate place, where you can get like the chocolate, where you dip the churro into it. Super fantastic. We're Sounds at this delicious. really great churreria, chocolateria, and Mrs. Kelly doesn't notice that the window gate is coming down and she just stands there and all of a sudden it's like right above her head. But instead of moving out of the way, she just ducked down. So she just got lower yeah. and it kept getting lower. And it kept getting lower, <laughs> but it didn't occur to her to just step just out of the way. Step one way or the other, so you're about to get funny. squashed. That's very funny. Yeah. Uh, all right, final question. We should probably go. You and I have a lot in common. Oh, for uh, sure. Over the years, uh, we have kind of described each other as kind of like long-lost siblings yeah. in some way, and uh, and we get along really well, uh, and we have feud is probably too yeah. strong a word, but we've certainly had some disagreements. We've had some discussions. We've had, we've had some discussions. Active discussions. Yeah. One of the things that we have in common, and that makes us who we are, is we're both kind of known as teachers who are willing to embarrass ourselves for the benefit of the student body uh, for a, or for a good cause in sure. general. Uh, you've hosted pep rallies. You've made silly videos. You even shaved your head I know. for a good cause a I'm few years ago. I'm talking about that with the kids today. It's kind of funny because none of the kids in the high school now even know that I shaved my head. Well, th- I think that was the same year that I rap battled. Yeah. And I think only, uh, only the... Slayed it. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was brutal. It was like my crowning achievement. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I think only the seniors were yeah. there, and even they are kind of like, oh, you were that guy? I kind of remember that. Yeah. Uh, is there anything in particular that you remember that you really liked doing? Or you and I have described, we were at Minithon oh, yeah. this year, and we were very proud of ourselves that we resisted any... Any temptation to maybe hijack the oh, ceremony yeah. and like take over and do something silly because they didn't ask us to do anything silly. And we All were right. glad we were able to restrain ourselves. Yeah, that took a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we, we just want to contribute, you know, exactly. and that's kind of, we have big personalities. Is there any time you feel like you went too far or is there anything you did that you look back on it now and you're like, I probably wouldn't do that again? Uh, well, I mean, one of my best, most fondest memories actually is my first year here. Mrs. Elder Curtis was an old English teacher mm-hmm. and she was running like um oh what's the the show where they um minute to win it no it's a performance show they sing uh america's got talent uh american idol american idol american idol so she's doing an american idol and she needed to fill like another 10 minutes and i came in and did this run dmc rap where i was like yo jay yo jay check this out did you end it with that a was born, son of Bifford, brother of L. And I do the whole rap. And you and conclude I with a cartwheel. With, yes. I remember that. And 
probably the funniest moment of my life. Like it was just, it just came out of nowhere. Like I don't know where I got the rap from. I don't know where the cartwheel came from and it just popped out. I remember, I think I was with Covell and we yeah. were watching. We we're like, well, first, who is this woman? Cause you were still fairly <laughs> yeah, new. Yeah, I was new. It was my first year. And here. second, we were like, where, where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, one other thing that you, you often will bring into your uh, performances at events like that is you're a really good high kicker. I am a good high kicker. Where does that come from? It goes with the car. I don't know. It's been a secret talent my whole life. How'd you discover that you could kick high? Um, You know, one time I was at a friend's house in the basement and I kicked their basement ceiling and everyone went nuts and it just has become like the thing for now. Like everyone knows me for the high kick and for the cartwheels still to this day. And I've always joked around that I'll know I'm old when I can no longer do a a cartwheel and a high kick. So can still do them both i can rock it so i guess you're not that old <laughs> you're also not of that generation where people are falling down and you're laughing at them yeah, before exactly. picking them up so yeah i think you're still very much in your prime and the students i'm sure would agree with yeah. me thank you very much oh, for you're taking most this welcome. time this um, was a pleasure yeah i've been eager to have you on the show since you've touched so many students lives and most people listening will know exactly who you are and That's be excited to hear about your life so thank you very much you are most welcome mr castagna in the deep voice So we talked about a lot with Senora Imms. We got some insight into her personality, but I did feel like she was a little low-key. Low-key. Much like we are today. We are a little low-key. It's a low-key time of year. So You know what? I'm just glad to be back in front of the mics, putting content out for our listeners. Me too. I think it's just fine. So, I don't know, maybe we'll get Imms back on the podcast in like May or June. When we're all really excited. When everybody's excited yeah. and rejuvenated and she's her usual madcap right, self. That's exactly right. That would be exciting. Yeah, we should get her right after a pep rally where she's ran around the whole entire gymnasium for Running a while. around, doing cartwheels, doing high kicks, exactly. all the stuff that we talked about in the interview. That would be great. We that should do that. Great. Let's do that. As always, if you have any comments uh, about the show, maybe you liked the Star Wars episode, maybe you sat the Star Wars episode out, maybe you have a suggestion for where we could go with top five or trivia or anything like that, drop us a line at slspartanlife at slsd.org. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media accounts at slspartanlife. You all out there, you have a fine day, and we'll talk to you soon. Yo quiero Senora M's. You want Senora M's? I don't know. Yeah, like, isn't that, isn't that what that means? That's what that means. Is okay. that what you want to say? I don't know. That's what, yeah. what is that? Maybe I'll keep it. Maybe yo, I'll keep it. Yo quiero um, Coco Girl.